Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about the Mi'kmaq people and the Halibut First Nation. I'm Glenn Wheeler. This is episode 100. Thanks for listening and for your comments and criticism. We take all of it to heart. This week we're talking once again about Mi'kmaq land and on a huge mining development planned for our territory in the central part of the island. There are two concerns. One is environmental. The gold mine planned by Marathon will be located at the height of land that impacts the watershed for much of the central and northeastern parts of the island. Marathon will use a process called heap leaching in which ore is piled on a pad and treated with cyanide. Marathon met with Halibu earlier this month and the band asked for a further environmental assessment. But there's also the overarching question of Mi'kmaq rights to this traditional land. Do we have any more say than the Chamber of Commerce? Would our opposition to the mine mean anything? Is there a special duty to consult Mi'kmaq people? I discussed environmental and land issues with Phil Walford, CEO of Marathon Gold Corporation, and Jamie Powell, the Director of Environment and Stakeholder Engagement. I started by asking Jamie Powell about where the project is in the approval process. On April 5th, uh, we submitted a, uh, an environmental assessment uh, registration and project description document. Uh, we combined the document um, uh, in terms of the requirements for the province and the federal uh, government reviews. Uh, they formally accepted into the, pro- into the process, environmental assessment process, on um, April 16th. And as you mentioned, there is a, uh, um, a decision from both the provincial and federal ministers due on um, May 31st. And, and, what is, and, and what is that decision? So that decision is going to be what? That there's going to be an environmental assessment or that you don't have to do an assessment? What is that announcement going to be? That, that is, so essentially, they review the document that we provided um, and they determine whether or not further environmental assessment is required. Uh, at this stage, we are fully expecting and planning that uh, further environmental assessment is required. The document that we submitted um, is compliant with what the regulators are looking for at this stage to determine what it is that they're going to be looking for in the next stage of environmental assessment. Right. But it's certain, and know, the if there is, and if there is, uh, as you expect, a, a further stage of environmental assessment, what is involved there? Uh, we expect uh, an environmental impact statement. That would be um, the next the, the, the next step for a project of this size. Right. And I think uh, under the, at least under the federal process, I think there's a possibility for public input into that process. So town councils, whatever, can uh, have, can have input in that process. That, that's correct. Well, there, there's input, as you've already mentioned, uh, possible from any stakeholder, any anybody in the public, uh, to both the feds and the province at this time during this initial stage of review that the governments are doing. Uh, during the EIS, there will be a much uh, extended period 
um, for public and stakeholder feedback uh, directly to the government or to us uh, as, as proponents. Right. Okay, so let's talk uh, a little bit about um, the province and the uh, and the two First Nations uh, uh, in Newfoundland. Uh, the province, um, well, the province of course is uh, promoting the mining industry. And uh, uh, Phil, I've uh, I've seen you uh, on uh, various programs on the internet there talking about uh, Newfoundland being, as you describe it, a permissive jurisdiction when it comes to mining so they are encouraging mining i guess with an eye on the on the job creation uh, associated with mining so when you describe newfoundland as a permissive jurisdiction what do you mean by that well i mean that they're by permissive uh, is re it's a reference to um approaching the different levels of government in Newfoundland, and getting good res and you know getting responses back. Like we've very quickly, like in some provinces, it's have um, larger provinces have a lot higher bureaucracy, so it's really uh, uh, very difficult to get responses from some other from some of the other provincial governments. But uh, Newfoundland's been really really good. Like we've um, we've had issues, and as you'd expect, and they've been resolved. And uh, uh, like there's a willingness to um, to encourage encourage development, and it's not at the expense of the environment or at the expense of the rules. We have to follow all the rules, and we don't expect otherwise. I don't think there's any company these days, whether if they're doing cutting trees or whatever, or any resource industry expects that uh, the rules will be bent for them. We just don't even think about it. So <coughs> by permissive, uh, it's in with respect to some of the other provinces, which are very, very difficult to um, deal with. Mm. And uh, it's, it's just their, their nature. Mm. Do you think in the case of Newfoundland, it's related to the the economic situation there? Mining is a source of jobs. Um, I think in the Millertown area uh, near where the mine would be located, there's <coughs> anticipation of the economic economic impact of, uh, of the mine. Um, so perhaps that would have something to do with it also. Well, I, I think the um, what we've been hearing is that Right, even last last year when we were talking, when we first came out with our first preliminary economic assessment, uh, even before that, we were hearing from people in the district that they really felt that uh, the the economic impact of the duck pond mine shutting down, and that along with uh, pulp and paper. Um, being diminished, greatly diminished on the province, it's 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 been tough, and uh, you see that everywhere uh, with small towns like Millertown or Buckins. You know, Buckins is uh, was a, a former mining town. Um, you see in Grand Falls, Windsor, where people are saying that they really miss the economic spinoff because, like, mi mining generally creates 
three to five uh, other jobs for every one job, permanent job at the mine, and that's because of supplies and services. So it has a very large impact on any mine, has a large impact on the surrounding uh, uh, environment, the, the surrounding, I shouldn't say environment, but the, the surrounding communities. Yes. Now, also, um, not too far from uh, from Millertown as the crow flies, we have the Male Bugeg uh, First Nation, and then, uh, well, uh, and then we have the, the second First Nation, Newfoundland, the Halibut First Nation, which is doesn't have reserve land, but there are communities spread all across the um, uh, the province, uh, including Millertown, is a Mi'kmaq community uh, under the Halibut list. Um, and uh, Jamie, I understand you've had you've made some outreach to Halibut and Miobugeg, and can you tell us about um, can you tell us about that? Well, sure. Um... We've made initial initial contact with with them, and uh, we had a four hour discussion. And uh, really, it was a learning opportunity. They were uh, they presented was that with Halibut uh, or Milbugeg, uh, the that meeting that you're talking Halibu. about. Halibut. Mm-hmm. With the Halibut, yes. and we we fully expect to uh, be doing the same with the other group uh, later on. But we had a really good, I think, a really productive meeting. It, was, it lasted four hours, which was longer than than I think anybody expected. But we covered a lot of ground, and we explained who we were, and they explained who they were. And uh, uh, it's really is building up a relationship, and uh, it's not just a one uh, one uh, one meeting. It's going to be a series of meetings over time as as the project develops too, because. As we explained, that the preliminary assessment demonstrates that there, there's a potentially economic viable um, project there, but the uh, mix of uh, underground, not underground, but say mill and heat uh, bleach or all the components, the size of it, ultimate size of it, those are all things that are require more study, and that's what uh, we have to do for the preliminary feasibility so, and was study. And was that what came up in the in this four-hour meeting with Halibut? Was that uh, what what issues did you do with in that uh, meeting? Well, we like we explained the process and where we were in the process, mm-hmm. and and, uh, and that includes. Uh, where we are in the in the process is not is the environmental work consultant and consulting with stakeholders but it's also where we are in the project development that is how, what is this project going to look like well we're we haven't finalized that yet mm-hmm. and did the and what was the um what was the takeaway from that meeting did they give it uh, were they saying they were you know, generally on side and supported the economic uh, uh, benefit, or did they want further environmental study? Or what? How did you? What was the understanding when you left the meeting after four hours? Jamie, you've you've uh, had a little more contact with them than I have. Perhaps you could answer that. Sure. Um, I think in general, the the takeaway from the meeting um, 
you know, everybody knows and understands here that further assessment um, and certainly further planning and, and engineering for this project is required as we go forward. Um, yeah, we know um, that the Halibu submitted a, um, a letter to the federal government, uh, CIA, uh, the Canadian Environmental uh, um, uh, sorry, <laughs> uh, the Canadian uh, Environmental uh, Agency, and um, you know that 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 letter from uh, from the Halifu recommended further an environmental assessment, and we, you know, as I stated previously, that's that's what we expected. So there's, I, I think, on the environmental side, um, and I expect that we'll have the uh, um, the same discussion with the MyProtect is that. You know, um, we we have as we progress engineering and as we do further environmental study, as Phil suggests, we have to evaluate what uh, what the project components will ultimately look like, and what environmental um, mitigations that we need and what environmental protection we need to put in place to operate this mine in a responsible manner. Mm. Um, how the various stakeholders uh, fit together. Um, the indigenous groups, the general public, the local communities, the municipal governments, the provincial government. Uh, we have a lot of work to do uh, on that going forward, and uh, we'll have a lot more meetings and a lot more discussion to figure out how that will work. And I guess on, on the back of the, uh, the meeting that we had in Cornerbrook with Alpu, um we certainly walked away. Everybody's expecting um, to meet again in the not-too-distant future. Uh, for us to continue to present the project as we move it forward um, and as as stakeholders like Halpu have questions um, about it, we'll continue to present things as we um, as, as as that information develops essentially or as it's required. One of the uh, unclear things in Newfoundland is the uh, is whether there is uh, that duty to consult that we hear about so much in in relation to resource projects of course the uh, where the in the proposed development site that's been a mining area over the years there is no land claim and uh, there is no reserve land so uh, are you what do you understand to be your uh, your duty in that regard. Obviously, you're meeting with uh, with Halibu and with uh, Mio Bugeg, but of course, you're meeting with towns and um, chambers of commerce and many other groups also. So, do you see uh, Halibu as uh, as a as a stakeholder like any other, or do they have some special significance in terms of your your outreach process? Well, that. Um that's a uh, difficult question to ask. I think we try to treat all stakeholders uh, as as being equal, and we are also very. Our company has been very careful about spending. You know, we've spent uh, on this project to date close to ninety million dollars of shareholder money to get to this point, and we're not done yet. Uh, and in doing, and that most of that money was spent on the island of Newfoundland for uh, labor, goods, and services. So uh, we continue to do that, and we we will continue to make sure that uh, as much as possible, uh, 
everyone can participate in the economic benefits that would come from this operation. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, without uh, prejudging what, what the two First Nations would say, they might, you know, give it the thumbs up and and be supportive. I guess they could give it the thumbs down and say we're concerned and don't think it should should go ahead. So what would be the impact of of opposition from the two First Nations? Would it be the same as opposition from a chamber of commerce or some other stakeholder? Well, I think we I think we you know, we take all of it seriously and of course it's a matter of why we're engaging now in uh, talking with First Nations because we want to find out what their concerns are and address them. And we also want to find out where uh, we can be of help to them and vice versa. So we're on a, uh, we're beginning the process of understanding each other. Right. And I suppose understanding there is the physical environment and there's also the sort of political legal environment. So I suppose as you go forward, you might find out more about the political and legal environment as you meet with the uh, with the First Nations? Yes, I, I have um, dealt with First Nations before and relatively successfully, and I, I think it's important to, uh, to listen and also to have both parties treat each other with mutual respect. When, whenever there is a, a, a mining project, there are environmental concerns which you're dealing you're dealing with through the environmental uh, process there um, one um, you'll be using a, a process uh, called heat bleaching for the for the ore and um, that um, there's been a lot of commentary uh, about the use of heat bleaching and some I think it's fair to say bad press uh, in terms of um, uh, Accidents resulting from the process itself and from the um, deterioration of, of tailing, tailings ponds after the process is um, is complete. So, in your uh, the site of this mine is at the height of land and it's uh, it has impact on watersheds. So, uh, shouldn't we be concerned? Shouldn't we be concerned about um, the possible impact on watershed from a process that uses cyanide, as each heat bleaching does. Well, heat bleach does. Now, the failures that you're talking about, I believe, are uh, with respect to tailings dams, not heat bleach pads. That's uh, right. The heat, uh, yeah. They're interesting issue. So, why don't we talk about the heat bleaching first? So, you'll be you'll be processing a a, a large quantity of ore and. Uh, I, the way my understanding is that the cyanide is is applied and stays with the ore for some period of time is not a a, a one day thing. It's um, it has to the process has to take uh, place over a period of time. So in that location, um, shouldn't we be concerned about the proximity to a watershed where that heat bleaching is taking place? Well, heat bleaching heat bleaching is is a proven technology. And I've been involved with heat bleach operations that have never had any problems at all, and including uh, as far as environmental work goes. What what you do with heat bleaching is you you construct uh, they're double or triple lined 
pads and you put the crushed rock on top and yes you irrigate it with a weak cyanide solution which is collected uh in the mill and processed through the mill or through a through a uh, carbon column series of carbon columns that takes the uh, gold out of the cyanide then the solutions pump back but there's a lot of backup mechanisms as well not only do you have the pad sitting there with Basically, in our case, probably crushed gravel, about a half inch, would be ideal for gravel when you, when everything was done, um, half inch size. But you also have what's called an event pond that is, and you can see it in the video that we have on our website. Uh, it, it's usually kept all, it, that so that if there is an event um, where you have to rainfall. Uh, Torrential rainfall or something like that, and you and the rest of the system can't handle the uh, what's coming off the pad. It'll go into a, a pond that's basically empty, and it it fills up the pond. And that pond is is um, engineered for a hundred hundred year event plus. So there's no so that that's how you take care of it. And you, anything that's discharged, whether it, any water from the site that's discharged into uh into the back into the environment has to be uh clean it has to we have to remove the cyanide we have to remove any nitrates that come from the explosives or from cyanide destruction we have to do all of those things we're lucky in that in that we don't have any heavy metals at all so and we don't have any arsenic or antimony or mercury so what what we have to deal with is the cyanide itself and uh, uh, any nitrogen that's produced uh, that's not from the explosives that ends up in the ore so those are things that we have to we have to make sure and and there the plans are there for that to make sure that all of the water that's released from the site is uh, is pure water meets all the standards required. So the the event pond is that a a pond uh, a human made pond or is a is it a yes um, yes and and uh, so let's talk about the the uh, the tailings pond which is where the tailings will go uh, uh, after the ore is being processed and as you say there have been uh, a number of um, of accidents with. Um, with uh, tailings ponds, and uh, I guess the question would be, what? Who is there? Some provision made? To, is there a, a reserve of money? Should there be an accident that would require expensive cleanup, uh, so that you know there is money set aside for that in the event that heaven forbid, you know, the, the company went went bankrupt or some other financial thing happened? Is there provision? Okay. Yeah, so we have we need to look at the what's in the tailings, and the tailings basically be sand. the The host rock that we have is a granite, and so when you crush granite up, you end up with sand, and that's pretty much what we would have. And the, there would be some um, chemicals in in the in this in the water which. Normally, we would of course destroy, like you know, cyanide or whatever. That that would be destroyed. But if, but a lot of the tailings, you know, the tailings ponds that have let go, have been big ones, and they they were old, 
and they weren't engineered uh, to the standards they should have been. And and some of them were full of toxic material, uh, sulfides or iron ore, fine iron ore, sludge. Um, our, our process is, is not going to produce that kind of material. Right. So, and on the question of uh, of whether there's a, a reserve fund for for cleanup, um, you know, in the, we, in the we, unexpected we, event that there were an accident, who would be on the hook financially for that? Part of our operating and closure plans, we have to address all these things, and we haven't addressed them uh, yet because we're we partially addressed them, but we're not. You know, again, we have to in order to come out with the plans. Uh, the mitigation plants and the like, we have to know exactly what we're dealing with. And uh, even heat bleach, for instance, uh, it, we were using heat bleach to recover gold from rock that normally would be thrown away. Um, we may decide not to use heat bleach at all. We don't know yet. It's mm-hmm. just it's an option for us. Glenn, to, Glenn, to answer your question, in terms of accidents and malfunctions, that's generally dealt with uh, through insurance. The in, in terms of a reserve fund uh, in this province, any uh, operational mine or developing mine is required, uh, in our case as a developing mine, to put uh, up a, well, it's no longer a bond really, but we have to post financial assurance uh, to cover full closure of the site prior to construction. Um, so that that is, in effect, what you uh, just inquired about. We, if For Marathon, if, if our closure plan uh, cost is in the range of 25 to $30 million, then prior to us commencing construction, we have to post that financial assurance, uh, and that gives the province the ability to step in um, if Marathon defaulted on, on the project at some point and to clean that project up uh, and to return it to the same state that we would if we mined it uh, until its end of life. I see. So you have to post the full amount. If it's $25 million, that amount has to be posted. Yeah, and that's that's not a real number. I'm just – that's no, not a real just, number. Yes, of course. But if that were the number, that's the amount that would have to be posted. That's correct. Mm-hmm. And every operating mine in the province right now has had to do the same thing. There is financial insurance assurance in place that the province holds on to until either the proponent uh, finishes the mine um, and actually does all the rehab work themselves, or if they default, uh, the province steps in and uh, has it done. That's a pretty common thing with most permitting now in in almost any jurisdiction, that uh, the province or the state does not want to – does – wants to make sure that they're not on the hook for mistakes that have been made or bankruptcies or whatever you want to call it. So this is a standard thing that we we expect to do in, in any event. Yes. The other thing I'd like to add, Glenn, I, I'm guessing we're running short on time, but um, it, in terms of the environmental liabilities that we've discussed associated with tailings and, and heat bleach and these sorts of things and, and people's concerns about you know some of the failures that have occurred even in recent times. One of the one of the factors um, that's going to impact us going forward is the changing regulations and the changing guidelines um, associated 
uh, with those failures. Um, you know, Montpali and others have been investigated, and, and the findings of those have been incorporated into the Canadian Dam Association uh, guidelines, as well as the Mining Association of Canada guidelines. And the federal and provincial governments work with those groups um, to ensure that facilities like the tailings facility that we will design, um, it's really just a footprint at this point, but the, the, the containment facility that we will design and operate uh, is in full compliance with all the requirements and regulations and is safe to operate in a manner that, uh, that we will use. Phil Walford. CEO of Marathon Gold Corporation, and Jamie Powell, Director of Environment and Stakeholder Engagement. Before we go, a reminder that the next meeting of Halibut Chief and Council is this coming Saturday, May 25th, starting at 10 a.m., 1 Church Street in Cornerbrook. Halibut members planning to attend should contact Tina Diamond at 6345111 or email council at halibut.ca with your full name and band registration number. And watch the Mi'kmaq Matters Facebook page for our council updates at lunchtime and end of day on Saturday. And that's it for episode 100. Allison Baker is the technical producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Celebration time used with the permission of Mi'kmaq artist Marcus Goss. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, listen to Mi'kmaq Matters on Bay of Islands Radio, in Norris Point and Rocky Harbor, tune in on the Voice of Bombay and in St. John's. Catch us on CHMR. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.